podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Chels. This is me, Kerry Levy. I'm joined by Mr. Gary Hayes, who's had an away day with Chelsea fans at Leicester. Hello, Gary. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Gary. I've also got happy-go-lucky, the ne'er-do-well himself, Mr. Andy Saunders. What? And joining us for the first time this season and a welcome return to one of our ever-favourite journalists, Dan Levine. Evening, all. The Chels is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Ladbrooks will add another £20 to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.chelseapodcast.net. How are we all? Um, it's a kind of a strange one, this, Dan. You've joined us tonight. We've got quite a lot to get through because our last podcast was just before the transfer window uh, broke. And Gary Hayes had it on good authority from one of his sources that Oxlade-Chamberlain was a shoe-in to sign for Chelsea. And then, of course, it all went wrong and we brought people we'd never even heard of previously. And how did you think the, the old transfer window went for Chelsea? You know, I've heard a rumour that David Zappacosta was a Chelsea fan as a boy. Yeah. his favourite player was Zola yeah yeah it's all true, all was, it true. His, was it his dream his dream to play for this club I thought it went alright actually um, I thought there was an awful lot of panicking but in the end it all stacked up nicely there might be a few players in there we don't recognise too much but we've got a good balanced squad I yeah. agree I, I think as we, as we said at the start of the season as well is that judge the transfer window when it actually closes and I think overall they might have left it a bit too late in terms of you know the the stress of getting players over the line but overall I think they've you know, strengthen the squad, sign some good players. And I think that you look at central midfield now and it's a lot stronger than it was last year. And Andy, you, you and I were talking only last week and we were going through each one and you just said, but look, everyone we bought is actually an upgrade. I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly do. I mean, Zappacosta, we don't know an awful lot about him at the moment, but... Frank Zappacosta, <laughs> as he will be for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to make that work. Why not? Who would, have thought, who would have thought me calling Azpilicueta Dave would have caught on? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I think if you'd have said to me at the beginning of the season, you'll get six... You'll get six players including a world-class centre forward uh, a highly reputable centre-back a high-profile holding midfield player box-to-box midfield player you'll get a right back you'll get you know you'll get a bunch of decent but I would have bitten your arm off for it and I think the fact that we didn't get you know uh, Lorente who's an aging bench warmer the fact that we didn't get uh, an injured Ross Barkley uh, and the fact that Oxlade Chamberlain who would have been at very best a squad player went to Liverpool for me I don't really care I think it was a good window and I think it fits the narrative to say that we had a horror show but I don't think it's true well and we spent quite a lot of money compared to an awful lot of other sides we were up there competing and spending decent amount of money and getting some proven players you know I mean how do you think they've shaped up what you've seen down so far for me I love the look of Bakayoko and I don't even think he's fit yet yep definitely uh, he's what a best 70% fit maybe um, and you know he, he looks like he's in control in midfield he looks very very confident he looks, his bags have prop prospect there isn't he was he 23 years 23, old or yeah. 22 is that right yeah, yeah. um uh, and and Murata, who um Again, 70% fit, but he's scoring goals. And scoring goals when he's not in his game, when he's not at his full potential, um, that's, I mean, would, would Costa do that? No, oh, I think I, he would. I, I, I do like Costa, but just, just you talking about money, I think if you look at the calendar year rather than this transfer window, I think Chelsea's net spend is in 
the minus because you know you throw in the the Oscar sale for sixty million and and suddenly I think it's one hundred ninety million. I think they made on player sales something like that. That so you look at the, if they're looking to replace like for like in that sense, like Andy's saying they've got upgrades in in all those areas, and I think they bought well. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is, you know, everyone went on. We had that period where a lot of the press really went after us and was saying, oh, it's all fallen apart. You know, Conte's unhappy. The board are getting it wrong. Nothing's working out right. It's disaster. Now they've got rid of Ake, Chaloba, Loftus-Cheek on loan. And um, all these players are going, you know, and where's the youth policy? And suddenly you look at our bench and we've got, yet again, a group of kids on the bench all of whom look as though they could be very interesting. From what I've seen of Christensen, he looks as though he's learnt a lot in the two years he's been away. I get and the sense that Charlie Masunda is, is being taken very seriously at the moment. May get a game tonight against Carabag. Obviously, this podcast is taking place a couple of hours before the Carabag game. We don't know the team yet, but I think he might figure in that, and he'll certainly figure this season. So, uh, look, I think, um, you know, as I say, there's, there's a media narrative out there because, you know, we have two gentlemen of the fourth estate with us. I mean, you must be under immense pressure to find stories every day, and this is quite a good one to turn around and say that Chelsea have somehow made errors in the transfer market, that they've screwed their youth system that you know it, it's it's completely falling to pieces that Abramovich is you know at the point of giving up that you know Marina is in the point of being sacked that Conte is leaving all this stuff makes great copy it doesn't look like it's true I think it makes for good narrative when you look at the fact that Chelsea just won the title and what happened two years ago and obviously Burnley happens you think oh here we go again but then they've turned it around you know and it, in 2015 there were parallels with it. I can understand why people are writing those things because it's a a case of nobody's quite sure of what's going on. They've got deals that are meant to be happening and suddenly, you know, everyone's expecting Lukaku to go to Chelsea and he goes to United at the last minute. So the business from 2015, it did seem to be repeating itself. But then there are other things that were different and, you know, they, they looked undercooked against Burnley and obviously finishing the game with nine men, you're thinking the worst. But then obviously they turned it round and, you know, it, it's all turned out for the better, but I can understand why those narratives were being pushed at the time. But I think since transfer deadline day, I think there's been, in the media, there's been a more positive, you know, air about Chelsea. I think you look at, you know, journalists who I respect, at least Don Fifield and others that are writing positive things about Chelsea's transfer window. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just going to add to that, that I think there's, there's been a lot of um, groupthink among some journalists, and I think there's been a certain amount of fake news, as there always is in the transfer window. Sometimes a, a one story gets, the balloon goes up, and everyone goes, why haven't I got that story? And then everyone copies that story. And it's not always true in transfer windows. Um, and that's also true with, like you say, the narrative, Gary. Um, the, the, sometimes people just follow the lead of what one person's saying, and we end up with everybody saying something that's patently not really the case. And also, you know, I mean, there's things <clears throat> where most players that get bought, you've heard of or known about, or it's been under, under the sort of the radar a little bit, but everyone said, oh, I've heard they're going for him. Zappa Costa was completely out of the blue, wasn't mm. it? That just was such a classic Chelsea sort of move. Here's somebody we've never even heard of or been linked with, and... You know, it, I thought his best work was on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but with, with him, it, it almost mirrors what happened with um, with Alonso last year. It was just on transfer deadline day, a move that happens like in late in the day that nobody was expecting. Completely, well, from left field for uh, Alonso. Very good. Very good. But um, oh, yeah. I, I, have I, you been working on that? I've been thinking about it ever since the window closed. <laughs> no, um, I, so you're looking. And it might not be the most glamorous signing, but again, it's something I've said on here a few times that I think Chelsea have always done best, especially in the Abramovich era when they've bought players that aren't stars. You know, just the players that become stars when they're at Chelsea. 
Um, I always think back to Ivanovich for that. Ivanovich was a you know an example of somebody that you know that we didn't know anything about, that we didn't see for a very long time. Yeah. And when he came in, has become an absolute it, stalwart of the club. It's you know, really the, interesting about him because um, I interviewed him on the day that he signed. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And um, in January, when nobody else knew yeah. who the hell he was, but it was, it was me and Paul, Paul Mason and me did okay. it. Uh, Paul did it for the website. I was doing it for the, the magazine, and we did like a Bridge Kids magazine with him on the cover and all the rest of it. And no one had really heard of him. And um, his agent said to me, oh, um, Jose had wanted him in the summer because he had signed for us in the January after Jose getting the sack in so January 2008. And he said, oh, he's, he's, he's better than Vidic. And, you know, he's giving it the hard sell to us. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, and then the first six months, he did nothing. You know, he didn't play because he had just got married and the, the Russian season, you know, uh, had ended. So he was sort of in pre-season mode. And um, there was a story going around about how... Um, Frank Newble, who was, you know, back then, 10 years ago, the, the young hope in the academy had, had put him on his backside in, in training. Everyone was laughing about it. And, what happened um, to him? Went to West Ham, didn't he? Yeah, for but, 10 million. No, no, sorry, no, it weren't 10 million. Sorry, he went there, it was on 10 grand. And then he ended up going to Ipswich mm. and then Swindon. Yeah. Now I think he's up playing League Two. But anyway, anyway sorry. so Ivanovic, he made his debut, was, I think it was in the League Cup against Villa or someone like that in the September. And everyone thought he was going, you know, the, this, he, he was done but he, he started because we signed him as a centre back and then yeah just found his place on the right side of the fence he became a star by being at Chelsea and you, know, you look at Drogba when he came Chelsea with the riders for that 24-25 million pound uh, you know, fee they paid for I remember Alan Hansen on Match of the Day poking fun at him I think it was his debut against Birmingham was it or something like that that he had like really bad control on the rest of it he didn't and, have a good first and, season and, and look well the first two seasons weren't that great yeah. he only scored 15 goals in each season and then it was that third season scoring that goal against United, the you know the extra time goal at Wembley, and it sort of just yeah. I give you Lampard, I give you Asi, and yeah. I give you some of our great legends I'm, that didn't have great first. I think seasons, that they, yeah. they come to Chelsea and make yeah. a name for themselves because, and I'm not saying all players are, but they're not mercenaries in that way. You know, they come here to prove themselves. And I think that's where Chelsea have always got value, whereas there've been some disasters like Torres and Shevchenko for whatever reason. You know, yeah, the ready-made. Big, so the Galacticos don't normally work at our place. They uh, need to grow into the club. And that causes that, that special relationship, I think, between player and fan, which, you know, it, there is nothing like it. We'll, <laughs> we'll go back to Aspilicueta, you know, I mean, who, who is an absolute exactly. star of this team, isn't he? And, but yeah. who, who didn't say who when we yeah. signed him, you know? Seven million um, pounds. Who didn't say? How do you pronounce that when we signed well, him? As well. <laughs> but, you know, massively popular, you know, the, the, the deputy captain of the side. Every and, minute of every game. Absolutely, season. yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's fantastic. And I think that's, that is ultimately what we love as fans. And I know you and I have talked about this. I always go, I just want us to buy people I've never, ever heard of and then become really wonderful. And you're going, yeah, but you really can't let everyone just come in unknown. You need certain Danny established Rose players. Danny Rose liked it at Chelsea this summer, would he? Having to Google who Zappa Costa was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, I mean... I just think it's... I, I always... My, my view is I think it, you, you need a mix. You need a, a, a mix of really strong, proven international uh, talent alongside, you know, some developing stars. Yeah, who um, are actually already at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my, my views are well known on the youth system. If you're good enough, you're good enough. You know, I mean, I don't believe in the giving them a chance philosophy. I think you make your own chances. Well, I think um, and I think that's why Charlie Masonda has gone away on loan, has proven himself, you know, where he's gone to be a really interesting player, has come back, you know, impressed Conte in training, impressed Conte in pre making that chance for himself. And he will get that chance. And if he takes it, then I think, it, you know, it, there's a bright future for him. Don't you think this is kind of, we're seeing the way Conte works. Last year's group of young players have now been 
worked out to either need more time in a team and have gone away or have been sold. He's worked with those players and now he's got this year's sort of subjects. It's quite interesting. It's sort of like seeing an academy within in the first team group. And I quite like the way that he's obviously sizing them up. He's gone, okay, we're not getting as many players as I thought. Well, these are the players I'll work with this year, like I worked with a few last year, and maybe one of them come through. And if not, something else will happen again next year because we do keep playing or finding young players and then we have to find out how good they are. So anyway, we, we should just go to a quick commercial break. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Right, just just finishing off with the transfer window. Um, I'd just like to ask you, Dan, what do you think about this new directive that we are going to finish the transfer window before the season starts? Uh, I pray for Jim White's career. Um, <laughs> I pray exactly for that. What I thought. <laughs> yeah, it but he's had no career. That... Now it's eating him. Jim White, I can tell you, absolutely nothing is happening right now. I mean, that's what we've had for about the last. When the Barkley news broke, God, did he eat? Have wood when he was there on his phone, like, oh my god, and then you phoned me. I was like, I want to watch Jim White, you know, climax. <laughs> There's um, a lot of this filters, going on. Gary. Filters, <laughs> filters. But I mean, it, it does make sense, doesn't it? You know, having the thing finish before the thing starts, you know, yeah. there's a sort of linear sensibleness about it and um you know all it means is that it'll push the deadline day back a few weeks yeah and it just means everyone has to get their house in order what i think is interesting correct me if i'm wrong but does that not mean though foreign sides can still buy from us yeah until they their window it's, closes. Only our, it's only our window closing in the same yeah. way that um the window closed on the 31st of august here and then spanish clubs who had 24 hours the turkish more. clubs i think was up till another today or yesterday yeah. wasn't it yeah 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 but so, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? So that means that next season, when Zappa Costa's become a legend, that Barcelona could come in with a £200 million bid in this kind of period. And mm. I, think, I think it's interesting. I think if you're going to close it, it should be, a, you go, well, if our window's closed, you can't buy from us. Because it still causes an issue. Yeah, Although not I, I many think, people yeah, but want I think that English comes players. down to power. And I know there's some concern, you know, thinking, oh, well, you know, if, if, if Premier League money is funding the money in Europe and all the rest of it, they can't make moves until we've spent over the odds on players and all the rest of it. But I think that the money is such in the Premier League now that clubs can resist Barcelona and Real Madrid if they want. Liverpool did it with Coutinho. You know, and I was actually quite surprised by that. I yeah, and, and, and whether that's foolish or not, you know, and Arsenal have resisted foolishly the £60 million for Sanchez, even though they couldn't get Lamar in and all the rest of it. But I just think that in the long run... Wasn't he in Kajagoogoo? <laughs> Wasn't he in? No, never mind. It's probably before your no, time. No, no, no. Gary's no, never too shy. No. Oh, hey, look at this. Hey. Moving on swiftly. <laughs> but I, I think just trying to get back to the serious conversation here. Uh, no, um, yeah, so, so I think overall, though, I think it, it's not going to be a problem for Premier League sides because the sides with the big players that are going to be interested in the so-called elite from the continent, I think they've got the money to... To resist it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Anyway, we'll see what happens next summer. I think it'd be very interesting to see what happens. And it'd be interesting to see what happens in January, whether we need to go and buy some or not. And um, I, I think we've got... Well, a- hopefully they'll get rid of the January window as well. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, I can't see that happening. Although, again, it's such an odd window. I mean, it helps all the championship sides, I guess. Yeah, but I think for and- just the elite, you know, the Premier League, because, you know, they have the... Um- 
the emergency loan window and all the rest of it, don't they, in the lower leagues? But I think for Premier League, there's no need to have it. I don't think you need it, need it across Europe either. Yeah, no, it's true. Anyway, we should actually get on with some football because, well, we had our first away day together, actually, um, this weekend. It was Leicester away. Gary, myself, Andy and uh, Nizar Kinsella... We all went in a very plush motor. Um, lovely car. Lovely car. Fiat 500. I even put the roof down for you on the way solid home. Solid mahogany trim. I've, well, I've, I've my solid your wheels, haven't I? In, 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 in the West Midlands when we won the league. Oh, was that... That was the old car. Oh, oh, oh wow. Oh, this is the new he's one. He's back a Yoko his car. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, the other, yeah, the old car was a Matic. This is a back a Yoko. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got proper wood laminate on the dashboard and everything. It's, it's got a radio. <laughs> it's got, it has a steering Medium wheel. Medium wave. <laughs> Medium wave and FM. And he, he, it's a wireless. <laughs> anyway, the four of us managed to get in that. And uh, off we went to Leicester. And um, Gary blagged his way into the car park. Yeah, with us egging him on. <laughs> Don't can't. say that. It was official, official <laughs> business for Mr. Hayes. Do it every year. It was good. It was a bit of a shock for you, wasn't it, Because you don't normally stand in the in uh, amongst the fans. No, well, it was, I, I, I stand correct as well because I said, "Oh, it's my first away game since as a fan since um, 2006." I think it was when we beat West Ham four one or four two and. Tevez scored for them and Wright Phillips got a brace at Upton Park. Um, but then I forgot, um, I went to the Emirates in 2013 when it was Matters. Matters scored his last goal for Chelsea. And uh, I remember standing there right down the line of the ball as it went into the net. Anyway, um, yeah, but it was shocking. Yeah, I was completely surprised. It was, um, yeah, it had been, I don't know, sanitised in the press box, Dan. You go and stand with a load of away fans and some of the stuff I saw... I don't know whether it was me being naive or whether I was rightly shocked. Well, maybe we, we should come on to that in a second. I, I think, should we go on about the football first? Talk about the team. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it was an interesting game on a, on a number of levels. Uh, obviously, I think, you know, he went back to the 3 4 3, or some might say 3 4 1 2, with Courtois in goal, a back three of uh, Azpilicueta, Rudiger, and Louise, Moses, and Alonso as full backs with Kante and Bakayoko uh, in the middle. Fabregas playing slightly in advance of them with Pedro and Morata up front and uh, when we looked at the team sheet I, I thought that was uh, quite interesting I thought William might be in it but then of course William was in international duty and uh, was tired apparently um, but yeah I thought it was a, um, a, re- a really good performance and certainly a, a, a very very dominant first half performance which slightly ran out of steam in the second half yeah I mean how did you see it Dan I mean I, 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 this side already what I've seen is starting to really excite me there are things happening Murata seems to be learning he doesn't look like the same player we saw, say, the first time yeah. he trotted out. Yeah. He's learning to hold the ball up. He's learning to play people in. He's learning to run more on the shoulder. His movement's lovely, isn't it? Oh, yeah. he's great. And how did you see it? Um, it looked like a performance from a team that barely got out of second gear for most of the game, but looked very much in charge practically up until the point when Vardy scored that penalty. And then it was a bit backs to the wall and it was a bit sort of squeaky bum time, but held it out. So, you know, I think that lots, lots of positives. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was a very positive performance. You did as well, Gary, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. And um, I think there was an element of the running out of steam, like Andy said. But I think as well, I think you need to give credit to to Craig Shakespeare, you know, taking all Brighton off when he did and putting Damari Gray on because he caused some problems for... And taking Slimani off as well. Yeah, yeah. And just, just Damari Gray in particular, I thought I was really impressed with him. You know, he caused some problems on that um, right side between Aspie and Moses and... 
I think it was Damari Gray hassling Aspie that won the penalty as well, wasn't it? You know, that what led to that. Yeah. When, uh, you know, the pass well, Aspie back. Aspie tried and, to play it back, didn't he? Yeah, and Courtois found a bit flat-footed, um, which obviously we won't go into too much, but... Um, Why not? Yeah, I, well, Silly move, wasn't it? Yeah, I, but it's just, I don't want to... Again, you know, we talk about it a lot and just berate, you know, calling players out needlessly, but just Courtois just frustrates me a bit because as much as of a doing the basics of goalkeeping is where he really excels but on the other side of his game is just so frustrating that Jamie Vardy's very good at that since the start of the 2014-15 season he's won more penalties in the Premier League than any other players 11 penalties amazing he is good at he is good at oh, it, uh, forcing the error because he's got that burst of pace over the first five yards that can catch it's, players it, it out was a, I mean look it was a mistake you know and, and you know he probably should have gone with his hands he went with his feet yeah, it was, and, it was and, a penalty and, but you know look it, 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 these are the margins but, but this is what I'm saying though the point is with, with Courtois is that he makes that incredible save after Kante <laughs> lost the ball that was amazing and, you that know, save should have released Vardy but he releases Slomani and it's a great save and then equally when Chelsea are getting goal kicks, he just uses the same. He's so predictable as Pelicueta all the time. And we even said, I think it was you asked talking to him, maybe the fan next to me, but he passed his fast. You were talking to everybody. Yeah, and then Gary. the ball comes back to him and he just launches upfield. And I was like, if you're going to do that, why not just do it the first time? I thought, again, credit to Craig Shakespeare. He'd figured that out. I mean, there was a big high press on um, in those uh, situations where we had the ball deep in our But half. it's not hard to work out. And the first time I saw a team really, really do it, was last November when we played Spurs at home and we beat them 2-1 and and they just did it from the from the get-go and Courtois is almost he just he's, he's too robotic that he's being told you pass to Aspie you pass to Aspie and there's, there's sometimes better options and he doesn't use them because he just thinks you know go default Aspie well, again default, talking Aspie. about Ivanovic there was always the ball up to Ivanovic before wasn't it we'd always go up to Ivanovic Mind on the right hand can... side he would head it in field and you know we'd yeah, lose but the ball. Alonso wins so many in the air there they do use it but not in the same way and, and you're right you know the amount of times that suddenly it goes backwards and it comes back to Courtois and then he hoofs it and you think well you and the thing well is it is it. nitpicking but at the same time <clears throat> against a better savvier team they won't get away with it and they didn't get away with it last season against Spurs yeah and that's how Spurs Eriksson ended up scoring that goal. And I just think that looking further forward into the season, I know it is the, the cliche of play each game as it comes, but I think when Chelsea get into the business end of the season, those weaknesses are sort of what can decide matches. Bakayoko, I thought he had a fantastic game. I mean, I re- was really, really impressed. I'd like the flashes that I'd seen of him before already you know, when he came against Spurs and, and played really well in that game. But I, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And the combination of him and Canty, that muscle, that steel in midfield, that also that aerial ability that we didn't have with Matic, the ability to cha- at least challenge for the ball in the air, um, I thought was, was a real plus point. It freed up Fabregas to be able to do his thing, which is to, you know, to, to, you know, to put his foot on the ball and create space. Although I think what we lost is obviously with Fabregas playing a little bit further forward, didn't allow him to quarterback as much. It but, was quite interesting. But, but it, we but, thought he would play deeper, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, but I thought, but I thought Bakayoko and Kante is just a, it's a dream team for me. I love and it. Just on that as well, I'm going to nail my colours to the mast. He's better than Matic, and the reason being is we spoke about it. He traps the foot, the ball, the sole of his foot, but and then that rolls is, it forward. That is just yeah. beauty. Right do you there. do that, Gary, in five aside? <laughs> well, no, I would you... if I hadn't torn my um, bum muscle like Hazard did. <laughs> You just paint so many pictures that are just too easy to fill in. Filters. So at the moment, I can't. Filters, Gary. Filters. But yes, I, I normally would try to. I wouldn't do it with such grace. But, um, but just watching him, and it was, it was the first 30 seconds of the game, and I was purring just because it was the first time I'd seen him in person. And um, it was Stamani tried to foul him, and he like, jumped on his back, and he just shrugged him off and just you know, blitzed through that Leicester midfield. I was, mm. Should have been playing at Welford Road. 
well, you know, it's only just down the road. So, um, all in all, I, I agree with you. I think the midfield is looking good. I think I think there are certain things that need to be sorted out, like the fitness levels. I I don't know. I my own thinking was that preseason has not helped this year. I don't think we had enough games over here or time to acclimatise. I think we spent too long abroad, and I think that's why we looked undercooked. Say in the Community Shield and Burnley. Yes, Mister. Hayes. So I was going to ask because Dan was in. In the far east of them, so I'd be interested to see what Dan's observations were of. Yeah, uh, I was out in Singapore. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think we gained an awful lot from that, other than maybe brand building. Um, and obviously, on that count, we lost in in China in quite a big way. Um, <laughs> yes, so terrible. I'm not sure whether it'd be looked at as a successful preseason. You surprised to still see Kennedy around the place? Very, very. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we might see him tonight. Who knows? But I don't. I don't get the impression he's going to be doing much more than carrying the bags and uh, and body popping with Louis in the changing room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does amaze me how daft some of these players can be. Yeah. You know, but... Just want to talk about Morata, though, about his his aerial threat. I mean, it's been a while since we've, we've had that. Obviously, Drogba was immense in the air, but he's fantastic, isn't but he? But he's different to Drogba, isn't he? The way he does it. It's old-fashioned 1950s heading. Yeah. It's, it's really a- good. Um, only Bellotti scored more headed league goals in Europe's big five divisions since August 2016 than Alvaro Morata. It's like, the movement. It's not yeah. so much that he's good in the air where he can be a lump that he put it up to. It's the mo- I know it's only Wes Morgan, but the way he peeled off him at the back. Yeah, but Wes Morgan's no no slouch in, in, in the six-yard box. I mean, you wouldn't want... I mean, you'd be back him in a no foot race. There's no slouch over inches. Yeah, but that's my point. You wouldn't, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't give him a prayer in a foot race, but I think when he's, you know, when he's in the six-yard box, he's a unit. Yeah, but, you know yeah, I mean? It's not easy the, to... The point I'm making with that is that he's not... Go- Murata's clever enough and he's got the intelligence yeah, no, not to go shoulder to shoulder in the air where's Morgan he's going to peel off him and his movement beats Morgan because Morgan's just a a lump that sits mm. in the middle and he's just a unit you know that really doesn't I don't know people say oh but he's a Premier League winning captain but I just, just don't rate him at all and you know Morata really pulled him all over the place I think and that goal you know proved it and I think you look at the goal that he scored against Burnley the way he peeled off the marker and ran across the bat line and it was brilliant and connected yes only, only Diego Costa and Cesc Fabregas uh, have had more goal involvements within the first four Premier League appearances for Chelsea than Morata you he's are Mr. Stats. Five. Oh, he is. I mean, he's got five, which is level with Eden Hazard. You should see him at games. He hardly sees it because he's marking everything. And, down. and unlike Andy, who's got Harry Kane as his fantasy captain, Morata's mine. Fantasy points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, do you do fantasy football? Uh, no, I don't. Not enough hours in the day, I'm afraid. Yeah, I know. But Andy's got hundreds of teams. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Harry Kane's your captain, and you. Went- well, he was on Saturday, and he got two goals. So that makes me football expert. And he makes point. <laughs> he makes points out of Arsenal players and Liverpool players. I just don't know how he does it. Do you know what? How does I he gave sleep up, at night? I gave up fantasy football years ago when Gary Neville was in my side. He scored a goal and I went, yes! And I, I was so disgusted at myself, I never did it again. Remember, we, um, at half-time, I said, oh, Harry Kane scored two and he was cheering. Like, I wasn't Maratta cheering, just Gary. <laughs> Gary, that's an absolute... He almost got decked. Twitter will blow up later. <laughs> not actually true, listeners. <laughs> Come yes, on, Harry. Uh, that was exactly it. That was a recording yeah. we just played. 20, point, 20 points on Saturday. <laughs> Look at this. Apparently that's really good. Yeah, but Bloody Perez, got, though. What have I put Perez even got, up for? He's even got his fantasy team up. I'm showing you. <laughs> you got 39 points at the weekend. I got yeah. 61 points oh, at the weekend. Oh, it's just updated. No one cares. Simple. There you go. But, um, but yeah, okay. Well, I suppose we should get on to the other issue of the day, the Leicester game. Now, Gary, you were saying just at the start that you found it interesting, you really enjoyed it, but you're also shocked. What? Why? What I just, about that? We all know what we're talking about, the Alvaro Morata song that started off 
quite quietly, but quite... Yeah, and it, it was my first game of the season in any capacity, press or what, because um, I'd been on holiday and the rest of it. And I, met, I turned to you immediately, didn't I? And I said, have they been singing this all season? And yeah. I just couldn't believe that fans were singing it. And the depressing thing is, I don't have numbers to back it up, but the depressing thing is, it seemed that everyone was singing it. Well, I, I, would, I would say everyone is overstating the case, yeah. but I'd certainly say a sizable, a sizable majority. And it, but it, and it did build and build and build throughout the game and people caught on to it. And not only is it just offensive, but I just said to you as well, you know, I was like, so lazy. You know, come, what, what rhymes with Real Madrid? You know, it's just really schoolyard singing. You know, it's, it was just, I, I didn't like it and it was depressing and it took the shine off what was a, a good game and a good win for Chelsea. And ever since then, we haven't been talking about football. We've rightly been talking about it. But it's something that just puts a. I think all three a, of us a black were, mark were, on the club. Three of us were depressed by. I yeah, can speak I was. All of us, I mean, we there was that kid behind us who was what fifteen or sixteen or something with his dad singing, all and sorts. he heard it. He was like latching onto all the songs, and in the end, I was just getting covered in his spit because yeah. he was so into it and was just spitting out all the words. And I, did, I turned round to him at one point and looked at him, and he went, "Are you all right, mate? Oh, sorry." Yeah. And then he calmed down a bit, and then couldn't control himself, and it was that kind of mob mentality which i found found really depressing that suddenly it's like it's okay because we're in numbers so it's fine yeah and nobody's going to do anything i mean you know dan I, what interests me in those cases is I've, I've seen and heard things uh, at games all my life and what have you and you wonder how obvious it is when like you're in the press box was it were you aware of it when it was going on or were you told later how how easy was it to hear it you you couldn't possibly be in that stadium and not be aware of it um and i'm told that it was very very evident also in the director's box um a couple of mates of mine who are in the away end including jewish chelsea fans sent me messages at half time saying you know what's going on and it was already very very clear what was going on and you know you, you say the majority were singing it i mean it looked from me, from where I sat on the other side of the stadium, roughly seventy-five percent of our end was. Yeah, there. I would say a sizable majority. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely would. Yeah, um, right, and we were right in the middle of it. We weren't one side right in the yeah. middle of it, you know. And and I think all three of us kind of looked at each other and went, "This isn't. This is uncool. This is really uncool." Yeah. In fact, my first comment on social media was, "This is uncool." Yeah, you did actually. And yeah, and, and then and then I got gradually more angry about it the more I'm thinking about it and I, and I don't want to make this podcast you know a platform for my own personal views but in this particular case you know I will say this I've spent my entire life calling out racists and bigots and anti-semites and fascists and you know and it doesn't matter whether it's my football club or my my workplace or every part of my life I you know I will call it when I see it and people on social media so-called Chelsea fans telling me to pipe down Stop banging on. Stop taking the moral high ground. You know what? I'm not going to. This is absolutely disgraceful. Chelsea is a massively important part of my life. Has been for 40 years. I'm old enough to remember going there in the 80s and seeing Paul Cannonville getting abused by people and seeing idiots selling a British Bulldog outside the ground and those dark days. And, you know, it was always a sense of real pride to have gotten through that. And now I think that as we, you know, we enter dark days generally and this stuff starts to creep back, you know, when people feel they have permission to act like this. And then, you know, the other depressing thing for me is people turn around and going, well, Spurs fans do it. Well, they do it. Or, you know, or, or, you know, or finding excuses or deflecting. I'm sorry, I don't care about them. Stop deflecting. Own it. 
own and take responsibility for your own actions. Basically saying that somebody else is doing it is no excuse. And I think, Dan, you have, you know, and, you know I know you, you, you said quite clearly, you don't want to be the poster boy for this, but I've been very impressed with your musings on it. And you said uh, quite clearly when you quoted um, the Chelsea press officer, there are no grey areas here. None whatsoever. Um, and uh, people who, who are trying to purport that there are need to, need to know what the law is on this, I think. And I've, I, I brought it. People, you know, if, if you're interested, you can Google the Public Order Act 1986. There's a section in it called Acts Intended or Likely to Stir Up Racial Hatred. And this is what we're talking about. And it says this, a person who uses threatening, abusive or insulting words of behaviour or displays any written material which is threatening, abusive or insulting is guilty of, guilty of an offence if, A, he intends to thereby stir up racial hatred, or B, having regard to all the circumstances, racial hatred is likely to be stirred up thereby. So what that says there is... If you're singing that word and that song because you think it's offensive to a particular religious or racial group, then you are committing offence. Even if you are not intending it to mean that, you're still kept creating an offence because it is within all of the realms of possibility going to cause offence to that group. And, you know, all of the stuff about, yeah, we're not singing about Jews, we're singing about Tottenham. Okay, in that case, what does it mean when you sing Barcelona, Real Madrid, Tottenham are a load of? Mm. Who are you talking? Who are you? Who are you saying Tottenham are a load of there? Because those are the people you are also saying Maratta effing hates um, and and using a very offensive word in 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 the mix as well. Um, there are no get, get outs here. You know, people can use all sorts of excuses. Oh, it's just being at football. It's not a get out. Being in a big group, it's not a get out. Being drunk, it's not a get out. Not knowing the law is not a get out. And a lot of people are going to find that um, if they're found doing this on TV, they're going to have a letter from the club and possibly a knock at the door. And again, we don't know numbers, but it puts the club in a horrible position because you had what happened in Paris recently where you know, the club dealt with that amicably and, you know, I remember being in Paris at the time when it happened and we weren't aware of it until the morning, really, because of, you know, it really started servicing then. But you see this and you think that the club's in a position now where they've got to ban a lot of fans and they've got to follow through on that and it's going to cause... It's, it's not just a song. It's something that goes way deeper and it's going to cause so many problems. And for a club like Chelsea that has worked so hard since the 80s, like Andy says, I wasn't there at the time, I was too young, but to force out an element of fans you know that were preaching in a certain way and behaving in a certain way and now he's coming back and it's just it's just depressing to see and not only is it that you know people can say oh but it was just the fact of we were drunk or you know we just got caught up in it but then it's the reaction across social media you know the fact that people know now that it is an offense you know okay say there is the gray area i didn't know it was offensive but then people coming back going yeah and what and what, you know, and the conversations we were having in the car and the tweets that we put out after the game, some of the reactions, you know, replies to me and to Andy and, and to yourself where fans were questioning it. I just well, don't understand I've had, it. I've had threats. Dan, you've had threats as well. But it's not you know? about the threats. It's but just it's, the attitude of and, people going, yes. And the so attitude. What's and, your and you know what my attitude is? Bring it on. I don't care. You're, I'm 52 years old. You're not going to stop me saying this. You're looking you know, a lot older. I don't care <laughs> if you're bored of my, of my saying it. Unfollow me on Twitter. I don't care. I couldn't give two fucks. Sorry to, you know, to use an experience but I feel that passionate about it. You know, you, as far as I'm concerned, are a disgrace to this club. Have a word with yourself. As well as, you know, and sorry to cut you off, Kerry, but just the fact that these morons don't understand who owns the football club. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, you know, somebody was saying uh, last night, you know, well, what about all the other things? You don't go on about that, whether it's, you know, Man U being abused or Liverpool being abused or this, that and the other or black people or this or that. I don't agree with any of it personally. And I think that is what this is all about. It's trying to stamp out. This one incident stands for a whole lot of other issues that are going on at the moment in the world today, socially. You look at what happened in the Germany game with Czechoslovakia and where you've got fans, Zeke Heiling at the end, and Mats Hummels went and took his players away from the fans and refused to go and applaud them. And then him and Joachim Love, after the game, went out immediately and talked only about that incident. Imagine what Morata feels like. Imagine he's at a new club. And imagine how embarrassing and humiliating that is for him. He was devastated, apparently, because I spoke to Steve Atkins afterwards, who had just come back from speaking to him, and he explained to him what precisely had been said and what it meant. And he was utterly appalled Uh, and devastated. He came over at the end of the game and everyone turned around and started singing it at him. And the look of happiness on his face was amazing. And he was thinking, I've really connected. And then, I don't know what happened. He turned around, went off, he and he off went off in Courtois. Courtois and it looked so Courtois was telling him something. And I wonder if that had been when he'd yeah. been told. But, you know. We said, didn't we? I wonder if Courtois explaining to him, hold up, look, you're clapping them and they're singing this. But, or whether Courtois even understood it. Yeah. And no, it's just a shame because like Andy just says there... You could see, I know we were far away, but you could just see in his body language that Morata was, you know, you just signed for a new club and you're already a hero in their eyes, but then you realise what they're singing to make you that hero. And it's just, it's horrible. Well, anyway, I mean, I, just any say, last something, word. Something you said there, uh, the what about thing, what aboutism is a, is a wonderful modern thing. If your if you're defence to a charge of uh, uh, acts intended or likely to stir racial hatred is what about? If it begins with that, I'm afraid you're guilty. Mm. Um, yeah. And this is a charge that carries potentially a custodial sentence. I love the fact you, you said the way, if you're that confident you're not doing anything wrong, go down to police station and do it and see what happens to you. Mm. Hand yourself in. And Hand just, yourself in, yeah. And just to move the conversation on about chanting at the game as well, there was another chant that really needs to be outlawed when Kerry started singing Willy, Willy, Willy Caballero, remember? Yeah. Don't do that, Kerry. <laughs> he cannot do that again. <laughs> Willy, Willy, oh, Willy Caballero. That's yeah. what they sang to him at Malaga for hours on end. It was just yeah. the way it was. Don't, but, don't do it though, Kerry. He just started the day off on the wrong note. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologise to everyone, except for you two. I mean, apart um, from that, uh, we had a very nice time. Yeah, it and was brilliant. It was, it was great to see our football team win, and it's great. You know, I, I will say this, I love being at away games. I love the energy yeah. of, of an away uh, of being an away fan. I mean, I've, I've had some some of the best nights of my life in away ends at Chelsea games. And, you know, I think this is why it hurt so much and why it, why it was so upsetting is because this is really important to me. It's important that, you know, with my fellow fans, I have that sense of unity and solidarity and, you know, and, and share that passion. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like being in that environment. But when it gets spoiled, I'm afraid it, it upsets me. Yeah. All right, well... Thanks for that, everyone. I, you know, let's see how it all develops. Let's hope that's an end to it. The club have come out and made statements. There's action happening. And let's see how it goes. But hopefully that's an end to it and it gets nipped in the bud and we can all move on. And tonight we're moving on to famous, the famous um, Carabeg. 
I think it is, isn't it? Carry yes. bag. There you go. Carry just, your bag. I was going to do that, but I thought, no, you'd <laughs> want to do that one. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting tonight. Will he play a full side? Are we going to take this lightly? Are we going to see Musonda have a run around? Will Murata have a rest? How do you see it, Dan? I think rotate is the word here, isn't it? Ah, Quite clearly. We're back to those yeah. days of rotate. Yeah, um, I, I went to see the uh, the Carabag Manager's press conference last night, which was <laughs> sort of entertaining. What was uh, his name? His name was Gurban Gurban. Nice. And if you wanted to visualise someone called Gerban Gerbanov, he is it. Um, he tends- <laughs> is he, is he wearing an ill-fitting suit? No, he's wearing training, a very, very sort of baggy sort of... He looked like, I don't know, I was going to say... Gerben like, Gerbanov. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, he told you. But he took Steely to a new level <laughs> when, when Nizar Kinsella asked him to tell us all about, you know, the wonderful thing that is Carabat Football Club. And because we don't know much about Azeri football over here, he said... Google it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Naz. Naz, you've done it again, mate. You've got a killer. There's a Pulitzer right there. <laughs> Probing journalism. There's a William Hill Sports Award right there. <laughs> um, but, but afterwards, um, uh, there, was a crowd of, there was a crowd of journalists watching them train, uh, and I was 50% of it. And... Uh, and <laughs> And uh, I didn't ask you to join in. (laughs) And uh, well, you know, they 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 look like a handy side. Apparently, they are. They play very good football. Um, We'll see tonight. Yeah, we we will see. I, I, you, and, you and I are going to Azerbaijan, aren't we? We are. And so we hope that it's not 15-0 tonight, so there's at least some semblance of a game when it's over there. Yeah. Well, no, I, it's a league, isn't it? So it's not a, it's not a yeah. home-and-away basis. Yeah. Oh, no, that's true. That's yeah, true. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you've got to get... I've let myself down there, have back in the Champions I? League. Yeah. What a embarrassment. The yeah. Rumbleos <laughs> Cup, this is not. After being 15-0, then. After 15. being told to uh, research it by Gerben Gerbanov, I then went to an Azeri takeaway after the press you, conference. You, you, didn't you wimp out on the kebab, though? No, yeah, it's not really my sort of thing. Um, and uh, had what an else Azeri, could you have? Azeri, there is, it's the best Azeri takeaway in London. It's the only Azeri takeaway in London. Where else is? Where can we find this it's, wonderful uh, establishment? Caledonian Road. Excellent. Just and does it have Cross. a name? Uh, it's called uh, Azeri Food, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And that was our food. Gerber gourmet gastronome. <laughs> and he said, he said Baku is a lovely place to go in November. Right. Well, there you so, go. So Ger- Gerben, or going back to him, does, does that mean his dad's name was Gerben as well? Because don't they have the patronymic naming system yeah, there as well? Yeah. So it'd be like Magnus Magnusson from Iceland and all the rest of it. So maybe his dad's called... I know, it's, it's like calling cool. your dad, your, your son Neville. Okay. Neville, Neville. Look at It's on your dress. Do, do, do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it's, it's amazing when he comes out with stuff like that. You don't realise there's things like that flying around in Gary's head. I it's, don't want to know what's in Gary's head. Well, we, <laughs> well some of us do. So yeah, so we've Filters. got this... Do we see this as a little bit of light relief tonight and it's going to be a pleasant old game? If and we nice win. Tr- That's what I'm saying. Are we all being a little bit, you know, I loose we all about... remember Helsingborgs and, yeah, you know... exactly. And, you know, and, and some of the other... Tromsos and yeah, that Wiederberg. Well, it was R- Rosenborg 10 years ago. Rosenborg, when, yeah, when that's, that's, who I, nil, that's who I was thinking that about. Yeah. He's pulled yeah. you up again, hasn't that he? That led to Jose's I know it was a Borg of some sort. Then we played Villa away and then Blackburn was it and then you got the sack. Hey, you know your stuff, Gal. Mm, be so, te- it'll be 10 years on the 22nd of September. Wow. Since what? Your brain started since, working? Yes. Since, since Jose first got the chop. Oh, was it? Mm, it was oh. when they were doing... What are you pre- doing for that? They were doing the premiere. You're of- quite Rain Man with dates, aren't you? Yeah, you are. <laughs> Just <laughs> you stuff. No, quite- they were doing the premiere of Blue Revolution, a documentary they did, and um, Jose got a tap on the shoulder. It was at the View Cinema in Fulham Broadway, and he'd been summoned. And then when everyone came out, he was gone. There you go. Mm. Is it, 
you've always got something you're more of a big picture guy aren't you Dan yeah <laughs> <laughs> white screen you know <laughs> he likes films that have been shot 70 mil he likes it yeah, oh look oh, at you you're yeah, very good okay so uh, we'll, we'll just have um, a quick word also because this weekend it is the return of the mighty Arsenal to Chelsea isn't it and how do isn't we it, see that isn't it wasn't it isn't it wasn't it well uh, can I just quickly do the youth squad just, no. just, just very quickly, because uh, yeah, the okay. development squad drew 2-2 at home against Sunderland in the Premier League 2. Uh, their next match is at home to Man United on the 18th of September. Then the under-18s beat Arsenal 2-0 uh, in the under-18 Premier League to keep their perfect start to the season going with four wins out of four. They play Blackburn away in the under-18 League Cup on Saturday. And the ladies' season starts on the 24th of September. Bravo. There you go. So, Arsenal. Arsenal. <clears throat> is it going to be a tough one? Are we kidding ourselves when we think Arsenal are up against the wall and they're going to get annihilated in midfield. They won't get the, annihilated. I think it'll be a difficult game. It always is. Yeah. No. Gary's shaking his head. No. Uh, my theory is Arsenal are a barometer for where Chelsea are. If Chelsea's struggling, they'll struggle against Arsenal. When they're strong, they just steamroll them. And Bakayoko and Kante in the middle, they're not going to live with it. And I'm going for 4-0. Beers on you. Weird. No, I, 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 just, I just think that Arsenal... Filters, Gary. Yeah, no, but, I, <laughs> but seriously, I, I don't think this is that... I, I got, you know, I, I embarrassed myself when after when they got to the Yeah, FA but you Cup don't final. mind. Yeah. No, but when they got to the FA Cup final, I tweeted just for a joke, you know, tongue-in-cheek, oh, Chelsea have just won the league and cup double, you know, thinking that we'd end up winning the FA Cup. But I think a strong Chelsea side always... Steam, steamrolls Arsenal and I think that's what this Chelsea side is especially after you know the, the development since the Burnley game and the signings they've made and the fact that Bakayoko isn't going to play midweek and I think just watching him come up against this Arsenal midfield he's just going to flatten it, it, it and, and they don't like it and Wenger can't deal with players like him and I just think that yeah and you know at the back Koscielny and whatever donkey they've got at the back there isn't they're not going to live with Morata and he I know I'm not being impartial now, but it's just, I just can't stand them. I just think they're... It's a bit xenophobic, that, isn't it? Whatever donkey. <laughs> well, I know he's Eastern European, but, you know. <laughs> although, although in saying that, uh, Lacazette will be obviously a threat there end, but I just, I don't he see him. He looks good. Do, I do not see him doing anything against Chelsea. He looks a useful player, Lacazette. And I presume you've got a slightly different view to more measured, uh, Gary. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more measured, but I think we'll win. Uh, and I think we'll win for the same reasons that Gary points out about sort of the... the, the, the flimsiness of the Arsenal midfield and, and the robustness of ours I think I'll go 3-1 OK I, I don't disagree I, I, I think Gary's being wildly optimistic by saying we'll steamroll of them I, I don't think that'll happen I think we'll win I think we'll win reasonably comfortably but you know it won't be an easy game I think we'll be holding our breath for periods of it because you know for, for all of their you know fragility they are a force going forward and we've got to be on our toes I think we'll win 2-0 2-0 OK um, I think it's going to be one of those games and we'll win 3-0. So I, I can see it being a good game. I think it's one of those games, Conte knows he can make a statement with this game. Didn't say whether you think we'd beat Karabakh. No, we were going to do that. I was going to say, we'll finish off with Karabakh tonight. Don't give us a better game than Arsenal. There you go. I quite like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a perfect game for Conte after a game like tonight to come out and go, we are where we are now. And I think you're right. I think they're a barometer. We'll see. If we draw or lose or anything there's big trouble for what's going on but I don't think we will I think we'll be comfortable just I look do. at what Liverpool did to them before the international break and Chelsea are a better team than Liverpool and 
they're more robust in certain areas than what Liverpool are. You know, and, and we spoke about it before as well. The goal that Salah scored was a carbon copy of the goal he scored when he was at Chelsea and we beat him 6-0. Yeah. And they're just going to play the same way. He'll just come and play the same way. And a coach like Conte is going to know that and he's going to be savvy enough to combat that. And I just think that, that that's why I'm so confident. It's not me just being, you know, blue tinted glasses Hayes and all, yeah, no just filters. being an idiot for the sake of it. But I just genuinely think that they're not a match and they're a, a top six team now, not top four team. All right, well, let's get your uh, scores for tonight against uh, Carabag. Carabag, uh, I'm going 6 0 Chelsea. 6 0. Oh, the Masonda hat trick. Masonda. Oh, <laughs> oh the number 17. I know oh. literally nothing about this team. Um, That's irrelevant. I'm going to go, I think it's going to be a bit Club Bruges like, you know, when we played them and they were awful. So I'm going to say 4 0. 2 0. Mr. Conservative, better than... I, I'm going to go 3-0. Go there we go. All right, well, thanks, chaps. Thanks for having some great chat, some serious chat. Um, I hope everyone's happy that we've discussed everything in the way we have. That's just how we feel. We are Chelsea. We've enjoyed doing a podcast today. And thanks to Gary, thanks to Andy, and thanks to Dan. And we'll see you all next week. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Sports Social Podcast Network.